He's left me with the most difficult text you could possibly preach on. However, when I was younger, we lived in a beautiful place beloved of picture postcard producers and photographers alike. Images of it were, and I think still are, sent all over the world, usually with the message, wish you were here, scrawled over them. It was a place full of warm golden stone cottages and tiny lanes lined with small houses and cottages that didn't need numbers. They had names or dates to identify them. And the one my friend lived in had 1684 proudly etched into the beam across the front door, the year it was built. And in summer, the village is packed out with coachloads of tourists coming to see its, quote, quiet, unspoiled beauty. <coughs> I'm quite sure, though, that residents and visitors alike would have been devastated if they'd been told that a bulldozer with a wrecking ball was on its way to raise the place to the ground. My guess is that the disciples would have felt somewhat like the people living in and visiting Bayou would have felt as they viewed the sheer beauty of the temple only to hear Jesus tell them that the large stones of the temple would be toppled. It would probably have felt as if the end of the world was coming. End of the world, or end times, warnings, occur regularly throughout the Bible. Warnings like we hear in today's Gospel reading. In it, we're encouraged to pay attention to what's going on around us and to be accountable to God for our choices, individually and as a human family. We don't only hear these messages in the Bible, though. Throughout history, people have waxed lyrical about the gloomy side of life, usually leaving God right out of the equation. About 500 years before Christ, Confucius remarked that there is in the world now really no moral social order at all. And a hundred years before Christ, the Roman orator Cicero began an address with the words, Oh, what a time! What a state of things! And about 17 centuries later, we hear the cynical Shakespearean lines, Life is but a walking shadow, 
a poor player. Can anyone finish it? Yes, that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing, says Shakespeare. And even closer to home, Dickens writing at an absolutely woeful time in British history, the early 19th century, characterised those days with these words. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going to heaven. We were all going directly the other way. Is Dickens' characterization relevant for us today? Perhaps it is. Perhaps not. I watched a newscast of the air disaster where 221 lives were lost in what is thought to have been an act of terrorism. And I was interested at the end of the newscast to hear the announcer say that disasters are the events by which we remember and measure all events. And just after I finished writing this sermon yesterday, I heard the initial reports of the carnage and the disaster in Paris. If disasters are the events by which we remember and measure all events, if this is so, where does it leave us today? It would, I think, make it easy for us to conclude that gloomy, biblical signs of the end typify the human condition. I personally don't believe that God is responsible for making all these things happen. I do think that life is not always fair. We were never promised it would be. And I believe that God walks with us through these disasters. That God gives us the strength to come through. So, should we accept those disasters of personal and communal life as somehow inevitable? 
personal earthquakes or plane crashes, including family and friendship crises, money and employment whites, and illness and losses. Maybe we have our own wars with our neighbors, with our boss or our families. Indeed, many of us have learned to view life pessimistically, whether in regard to family life, to our jobs, just about everything else. Life was no bed of roses for Jesus either. He experienced human darkness and the signs of the end from birth to death. He was persecuted and ridiculed. But he grew in an inner strength and peace. He was economically poor, but yet he was so rich. He was humiliated and executed for his teaching. And he even overcame that. Perhaps more fitting words for today than those of Confucius, Cicero, or Shakespeare were those of Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yes, we have periods of darkness and despair, our own worst times. But we also have those of light and hope in Christ. And importantly, in Christ, God gives us comfort and strength and courage to wade through those bad times. He also gives wisdom, discernment and skill to those charged with our care if we're sick. Jesus walks with us at all times. Even when we find it difficult to recognize him, he comes to us in the eyes and the presence of those we encounter as we journey. The end of the world doesn't have to be all about fear and doom and judgment. If we believe in Christ, there is light and hope amidst the hard realities of life. We don't need to live in fear. As a Christian, I believe that Christ will return and that the world will be set right. We don't need to know exactly when that will happen. We just need to know that it will happen. Just need to believe, to have faith. There's a rather lovely poem by Annie Johnson Flint. God hath not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways or my lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. 
worship, as we share in the holy bread and wine. 